In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. O oh, Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee and justly deserved thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant to the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I will speak of your testimony before kings, O Lord, and shall not be put to shame. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. <clears throat> I will speak of your testimony before kings, O Lord, and shall not be put to shame. 
Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, good will toward men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee, we glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father. Thou that takest away the sin of the world, Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high, The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep us steadfast in your grace and truth. Protect and deliver us in times of temptation. Defend us against all enemies and grant your church your saving peace. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first reading for this Reformation Day is from the Revelation to St. John, chapter 14, beginning at the sixth verse. Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth, 
the sea and the springs of water. This is the word of the Lord. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. Walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers. Consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels, that you may tell the next generation that this is our God, our God forever and ever. The epistle is from Romans chapter 3, beginning at the 19th verse. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Amen. 
So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you, are, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Hope of every nation, 
hear and receive thy church's supplication, Lord God Almighty. See round thine ark the hungry billows curling. See how thy foes their banners are unfurling. Lord, while their darts and venomed they are hurling, Thou canst preserve us. Lord, Thou canst help when earthly armor faileth. Lord, Thou canst save when deadly sin assaileth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see, that was the main issue of it all. They had strayed too far away from that upon which they were to abide and remain. Now, sure, the Reformation certainly had its social issues, its political issues, its economic issues that all led into it. Volumes upon volumes of work have been done on these factors. But ultimately, it all boils down to one thing. And certainly, there are a myriad of theological contentions that came up between the reformers and the church at the time. But the foundation of them all was one thing. The word of God itself. And so the battle cry of the Reformation became ad fonte to the fount, to the source. Go back, go back. Return to that which sustains and keeps you. Return to that fountain from which all things flow. Return to that which upholds and keeps you on the straight path. And so it would be that Luther nailed the 95 Theses and the church door of Wittenberg. Not because in that time he wanted to ever break away from the church, but rather when it came to indulgences, he saw something that didn't match up to Scripture. And he wanted to talk about it, to debate amongst the church 
about what this thing was. To go back to the scriptures. To the scriptures alone. This is a rule and norm of doctrine. And in many ways, the 95 Theses really aren't even that clear of an example of Lutheran doctrine. That instead will be developed over the next few years. As Luther is forced to defend his scriptural basis for his stances. In debates, treatises, letters, sermons, lectures. But throughout it all, there is the call back to Holy Writ, to the Word of God Himself. For you see, the Gospel was still there. It was still there in the church. But it was muddled with the traditions of men that to a point it was completely obscured from the minds and hearts of the people. So they called to go back. Go back to the scriptures. Go back to the source of truth, to that rule and norm. For it is in the word of God and in it only which we abide in in this life. It is only there that our faith rests and in no other place. When other things had come up in the way of this simple truth, there were those who called for the church to return to the scriptures. This all began unbeknownst to him when Luther nailed the 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg. There are many passages that could be seen as foundational to the Reformation itself, foundational to Luther's understanding of the gospel itself and faith. Much of the book of Romans, Galatians, Ephesians 2. But in many ways, our gospel text this morning is one that would fit that role. Though it's not often brought up. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Sums it up quite well. Abide in the word of God and in it only. Because for centuries, the traditions of men, man's reason and thoughts concerning what must be the way things are, years of different traditions and the words of popes and bishops and councils had built up in the church, layered upon the scriptures, clouding over the pure gospel found therein. 
It's not to say that we shouldn't write and study the Word of God, but that we should keep our own words in their proper place and context. We do not elevate what we say too highly or think that we know all things concerning God and His revelation towards us. in many ways, that's what had happened. To the point where the gospel was almost unrecognizable. The words were certainly there, but they didn't mean what they ought to mean. So Luther's works, and really the works of many of the reformers, are littered with references to going back to the scriptures to that enduring and abiding power and strength of the Word of God. That great battle hymn of the Reformation, which we opened our service with today, contains just such as this. The Word they still shall let remain, nor any thanks have for it. He's by our side upon the plain with His good gifts and spirit. And take they our life, goods, fame, child, and wife. Let these all be gone. They have nothing won. The kingdom ours remaineth. How true those words ring. It does not matter what the evil one does to those who abide in the word of God. The kingdom remains with us, for we remain in Christ. And even Luther's sermon on this very text from John, expanding on the quote of Jesus from the text as if Jesus himself were speaking, something Luther often does in sermons and lectures. Luther says this, I know that it is easy to believe in the beginning, but where are those who remain steadfast, who persevere, endure, and say, let come whatever God send me? If I am not well, then I am satisfied to be sick. If I am not to be rich, then I shall be content to remain poor. Whether I live or die, I shall remain with Christ. And speaking of the characteristics of a disciple, Luther ends this section with this. But those who stick to the gospel are the true disciples. Those who cling to that pure gospel of Christ. As Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 3, that it is not by the law that one is justified, but rather it is in faith in Christ in his death, and in his resurrection. That is the true disciple. It is for this reason that Luther was as vehement as he is in defending the doctrines of God. He did not play kindly with those who would claim to know the scriptures and yet speak words that go against it. 
who would claim to come in the name of Jesus and yet obscure his gospel with their own reason and strength. No. Luther did not play kindly with men such as this. For the stakes were high. For the reformers, the stakes were eternal salvation itself. And there were no greater stakes to play. The very truth of the gospel had been obscured such to the point that the reformers wondered if the common men were truly Christian anymore. For when they went into the churches, and really when they even spoke to priests, they were surprised with how little they actually knew, with how little they confessed concerning the word of God. And so for them, they saw themselves as in a way evangelizing their own people. They were ever to consider sending missionaries to the new lands being discovered. They first must convert their own kinsmen back to Christianity. Back to the word of God. The Christian holds on to the gospel with all that they have, no matter what comes upon them. They grasp hold of the word of God with all the strength they can muster because they can do nothing else. They have no other place of refuge in this life than the word of God. For God is our refuge and strength through all things. We abide and remain in his word, for it is our shelter and keep through all the storms of this sin-ravaged world. Called to return at Fontes to the sources, and for the church, there is no other source than the scriptures themselves. This is not a refrain to ring out just in that time and place, but rather it is a litany that should be continued throughout the entire history of the church. Throughout all times and in all places, the church should continually hear the cry and see the finger which points back to the scripture. We here in this place should examine our own words, works, and decisions and see that they adhere to the pages of Holy Writ. Every believer, even, in prayerful consideration, must place their hearts and minds under the microscope to see upon which we are building our doctrine and thought of God. Is it being done by the emotions and cares of this life? Is it being done by reason? Or is it built only upon the word of God? In our day and age, in a country where we have 
that tremendously valuable freedom of religion. We must be careful of its downside. Anybody can say anything. Anybody can stand up and claim to speak the truth of Scripture. Anybody can stand up and claim to have heard from God a word for his people. There's a guard against those who would speak falsely in the name of God, who would twist the words of Scripture into something more pleasing to the hearts and minds of men. We must know the Scriptures and the power therein. Simply, we must abide in the Word of God. Fill our hearts and minds with its words. Fill our days and our time in this life with that which God has revealed to us concerning himself and his work on our behalf. Our sinful hearts would like nothing else than to move on to something we feel is more certain to begin to allow our strengths and wants to determine what course our lives should take and upon that which we should depend, rather than building upon the sure foundation of rock, we set up our house upon the shifting sands of emotion or upon the winds of the times as they blow this way or that. Rather, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In Christ is true freedom. In his word declared to us is the breaking of all bondage to sin, death, and the devil. We are no longer slaves to sin, but rather we are free in grace and mercy to live according to God's will, to walk according to his word. Sin no longer rules over our hearts and minds, but the Spirit of God dwells within us. By his death and resurrection, the Son has made you free, and in his word we abide. And so we often pray, as we shall later today. Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. Curb those who fain by craft and sword would wrest the kingdom from thy son and set at naught all he has done. Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. In the end, it's all we can pray that by his Spirit he would keep us ever steadfast in his word given to us in the pages of Scripture. We pray that his word would go forth from this place and from his church, that the crafts and assaults of the evil one would not break and hinder the will of God, that we would stand upon the word of God alone, we cannot do this by our own power. 
but rather we pray that the Spirit would strengthen and uplift us in this, that we might endure. We pray that we might hand this truth down from one generation to the next, that a people yet unborn might know the faith and believe. You abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The reformers called for the church to go back to the word of God and to it alone, to abide in the word of our Lord that the pure and sweet gospel might be proclaimed. We stand in this tradition ever pointing to the word as the clear and ultimate rule and norm of doctrine. We pray that by the grace of God and with the help of the Spirit, we might be ever kept steadfast in this. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. Um, Pastor Parsons and Melissa um, have made an emergency trip up to Indianapolis. Uh, Melissa's mother fell again in the nursing home um, and has been hospitalized since last Sunday. Um, so they quickly went up there um, to take care of things up there. I believe uh, the last I heard their plan was to be back this evening, um, but much of that, I believe, is still up in the air. Um, one note, uh, in the Blue News, the voters' meeting is listed uh, as being on October 22nd. Uh, that's a little difficult. We're not waiting an entire year to have our voters' meeting. Uh, the voters' meeting is actually on November 8th at noon. Um, there is a uh, note on the board back there um, of when the voters' meeting is. Um, also on that same board, just below that, uh, is the sign-up sheet for the meals for the disaster relief teams that are coming into town. Um, I know we will have teams for the next several weeks, um, so if you are able, please sign up uh, for a meal. If you need to work out uh, details on that, uh, speak with Bonnie Tryon. Um, I know she would be very appreciative uh, of those who would be willing to help with that. The Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and the well-being of the churches of Christ, and for the godly unity of Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation and all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray for Bob and Jackie and Marga, for Eddie and Norma and Kim, for Ray and Suzette and Chris, for Gail and Therese and Marion and Herbert, for Clayton and Meredith and James and George, for Larry Dean and Earl and Suzette and Bob, for Mallory and Mark and Jennings, for Hank and Sandy and Megan, for Isaac and Haley and Stella, and for Marilyn and Paul. And we pray for Patty and Cecil, for Michelle and Carl and Karen, for Jimmy and Tina and Ainsley and Richard, for Kevin and Colleen and Ron and Caroline, for Mary Ellen and Brian and Natalie, for Thelma and Jesse and Ralph, for Theo and Easton and Janice, for Doug and Fallon and Colby, for Jamie and Audra and Francis, and for Leroy and for Shirley. And we pray for those who mourn a loved one, for the Neyland family, the Niece and Barbie families, the Counterhand family, the Tryon family, the Nolene family, 
and the Linden family. And we pray for those in military service, especially for Paul and Turner and Paul, and for Caleb and Hayden and Mike. And we pray for our university students, for Stanley and Colleen and Griffin, for Noah and John and Katie and Dylan, for Audrey and Dylan and Roz and Gage, for Olivia and Sarah and Olivia, for Jason and Jacob and Minnie, and for Emma and Carly. And we pray for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church, let us pray to the Lord. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them in the Sabbath rest, which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead, let us pray to the Lord. And finally, we pray for Melissa and her mother and all those up in Indi Indianapolis. O Lord, look down from heaven. Behold, visit, and relieve thy servants Melissa and her mother and their entire family for whom we offer up our supplications. Look upon them with the eyes of thy mercy. Give them comfort and sure confidence in thee. Defend them from the danger of the enemy and keep them in perpetual peace and safety. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.